Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. They haven't won a World Series in a century or so. So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. The 105 or 705, there is a game. If it gets ran out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that? It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, what about something like that you better you want to make this team connecting with you the baseball fanatic there's no crying in baseball no crying hit and run on sports radio 670 the score 670 the score.com and the radio.com app Ba-da-ba-bum, ba-da-bum, ba-da-bum. good morning baseball people the sun did indeed rise it did you know yesterday I left here after five hours of uh, Rock'em Sock'em Radio with Bruce Levine on Inside the Clubhouse and Steve Rosenblum for some suckage, and I was telling uh, my wife and telling others, boy, the Cub fans are angry. They have turned angry. They're looking around for targets for frustration. They, uh, they are furious, and understandably so. And not just Cub haters, whatever. Cub fans, and I talked to several last night, it, they're... These problems are distressing because they are the same. The problems as expressed by the big boss himself on the 1st of October after the one-and-done postseason remain the problems here as we are three days before the trade deadline. That sameness is incredibly aggravating. I understand. And so people were dark, I said yesterday, and then last night happened. So I expect uh, to be a target for your frustration. I also expect this show to be a vessel for your angst, a vessel for your troubles. Let's discuss. Let's get to the bottom of things. Let's let's parcel out blame if desired. Let's bemoan these sad options as the deadline approaches, the one and only trade deadline. Let's figure out if there are ways still, and of course there are, to maximize not just this season, but the entirety of the winning window. I know that you thought you were going to get more than one World Series. I know. And you still could. It still could happen this year, he said, based on the simple truth of the matter, that they are one game out of the division lead, tied with the Brewers. That's the reality, right? The math says, sure, they can, of course, right the ship and get in. And then who knows what can happen in a postseason. But my God, the perception is that they are dead, that they are done, that this team is toast. That is a wide-ranging perception in this town and amongst this fan base. It is not the truth. 
But nights like last night, after nights like two nights ago, can feel that way. John Lester gave the Cubs exactly what they needed, but they needed even more than what he could give. Good morning. It's Hit and Run. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Dial it up at your leisure and at your convenience, and we will discuss many, many things. Lots of Cubs, of course. But I have uh, also been openly daydreaming, and I will do so on air, about the perfect type of trade to maximize the Chicago White Sox contending window. It's a little bit of selling. It's a little bit of buying, facilitated by bundling a bunch of piles to get something you desperately need and could use. So I will map that out for you somewhere along the way. Uh, Chris Kamka will be on the show, as always. Cam Connections, as he gives you statistical nuggets like nobody else about both the Cubs and the White Sox. Bart Winkler... My friend, the morning man in Milwaukee, will come on and talk a little Brewers and Cubs with us. Bart was a guest co-host a few months back, and we had a great time. So was texting with him yesterday, and he will come on. And I told him, I believe I said in a text, I'm sure you will have another bullpen meltdown to discuss. And, in fact, that is, of course, what we have. Yep, I suspect you'll have gloating opportunities after another Cubs bullpen implosion. That is my, te- that is my text to him yesterday. God, I hate when things like that are true. And then the 10 o'clock hour is going to be uh, really fun, interesting stuff with Matthew Trueblood from Baseball Prospectus. He's really smart, writes lots of good stuff, has had thoughts about the Cubs pitching infrastructure that I want to get into, but, uh, and other, other sort of you know, trends and, and things that are happening around the game. I, I love to look around the game and see how the widespread cat and mouse of pitcher versus hitter in front office versus front office is progressing. And he's a great guy to talk about that stuff with. So Matthew Trueblood in studio for the 10 o'clock hour. Along the way, your phone calls and texts, not just welcome, but elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. 312-644-6767. Text at 67011. Tweet me at Matt Spiegel 670 as we broadcast live from the Hyundai Score Studios. Visit your local Hyundai dealer and the first ever eight-passenger Hyundai Palisade. Okay. So John Lester gave you exactly what you needed. Seven brilliant innings. And it's too bad because I, I, I really, and maybe I will at one point, take a pause and talk to you about the brilliance of John Lester. Just kind of notice something and share something with you that, 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 that struck me immediately about John Lester. And I knew he was going to be great. I'll do that at some point along the way. But he gave you seven, and then when he doesn't come out for the eighth, I am shocked and disappointed and scared that Joe Madden has, for the second night in a row, gotten too little out of his starting pitcher with a problematic bullpen. And then I was surprised to read after the game that John Lester asked out. He said, I'm toast. Okay, if that's the case, then that is the case. Nothing you could do. You cannot, you cannot fault that for Lester. You cannot fault Joe for that. But you sure as hell can question Joe Madden in the eighth inning going to Steve Ciszek. Steve Ciszek was wild on Friday night. He gave up lots of contact. He also, though, walked two batters. He hit another guy, gave up 26, or threw 26 pitches. He threw across innings for three outs. 
So that means there's multiple warm-ups. Joe has talked about that. Guys have talked about that when you got to warm up in the bullpen. Then you come in, you warm up again. Then you sit down. Then you come back for another inning, and you have to warm up again. So even though it's only three outs, 26 pitches. And remember, this is Steve Ciszek, who last year threw 80 times. And this is what happens when he gets overused. The slider flattens out. Just, it, it's just incredibly, eminently poundable. And that's what happens. Ciszek is a, an absolute stud in terms of going out there anytime you ask. He is not going to tell you that he's not ready to pitch. He's like Pedro Strope in that way. Both of them are not going to tell you that they can't go. It is your job to be the adult. It is your job to see Steve Ciszek last night and say that, yeah, even though there were two days off before last night, uh, before two nights ago, I should say, he is a guy who can get tired, who has gotten tired. Before the two days off, he threw four out of five days. Going into last night, he had thrown 49 games. Last night was his 50th. Four out of five days, then he had two days off, and then 26 pitches, walking two guys, hitting another one across innings, multiple warm-ups. And then there he is. He's had a great career, but the overuse these last two years has killed his breaking stuff. It just has. And here's my main major issue with Joe in terms of last night, okay? is that he said that Rowan Wick's role was going to be more prominent last night. And everyone, everyone in that Cubs media assemblage, pretty much, and I've talked to a couple of them, frankly, this morning, thought that that was going to mean Rowan Wick would get the eighth inning. That Rowan Wick would get the eighth. And when it came time for the eighth, there's Steve Ciszek. Because Joe said before the game, Rowan Wick will have a more prominent role. And yeah, Wick warmed up after it was C-Shack and then Holland and Chatwood warming up after that. And then Wick came on after that. And oh, by the way, Rowan Wick, who I advocated for yesterday morning, he's had now 17 straight appearances without being scored on, including the minors. You find guys like this, you have to be aggressive. And look, they are being aggressive. Joe is being aggressive. There's Tyler Chatwood and Derek Holland, two guys who were starting pitchers at the beginning of the year, essentially, thinking of themselves as starting pitchers, lifelong starting pitchers, now warming up in your high-leverage bullpen. And I was glad to see that. I'm glad I've advocated for high-leverage Tyler Chatwood for a while now, too. It is time to become even more aggressive and use Rowan Wick. Use Tyler Chatwood. You're not going to use Pedro Strope. And don't use Steve Ciszek for a little while. Let the man recover. Let the man uh, just rejuvenate somehow. And last night, I didn't want to see Steve Sack. I wanted to see Rowan Wick. And the problem I have with Joe is that he pretty much said that that was going to be the case. And then in the game, all of a sudden, he does something that I don't believe he wanted to do uh, when the game began. Two nights ago, he said he wasn't going to go to Pedro Strope. And then by the eighth inning... Got in trouble, decided he had to use Pedro Strope. This is now two nights in a row where Joe has pretty much said he's not going to do something and then done it. And I'm sorry, but it does take me back to Game 7 panic in Cleveland. It does take me back. 
to uh, a, a moment where I was standing in the auxiliary press box in Cleveland, watching him on TV, hearing him map out the plan before the game began of what his plan was, and it was to go to Lester for clean innings. Was to go to John Lester for a clean inning. Okay? And then it's John Lester, after warming up for an hour, coming in for a dirty inning and throwing a wild pitch that lets two runs score. It, it's, it's, it's Chapman just over and over. It, I'm sorry, but yes, that stuff does come back. You know why? Because in-game managerial panic when it comes to a bullpen is a real thing. It just is. And some guys don't do it. Some guys uh, acquire a pitching coach and a bench coach, and they all talk to each other, and they remain calm. And some guys seem to very often do things that go against what their thought process was before. And, I, and Joe does that. So look, I know that the roster is flawed. We talked about this yesterday. I tweeted about it yesterday. We'll talk about it now with you. The roster is flawed. The window feels like it's not being maximized. The problems are perpetual, and they have not been fixed by a Hall of Famer to be in that front office. That said, there are managerial issues I just cannot ignore. And that's C-Sheck in the eighth. Stop! Stop! They're going to stop with both C-Sheck and Strope. They have to. I know they're going to stop with Strope. And, 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 and to their credit, to his credit... Joe said yesterday before the game that they're going to look for situations in which Strobe can feel, quote, comfortable and work on some things, unquote. That is uh, garbage time. So that's great. That's fine. Tommy Hadovy knows what's wrong with Pedro Strope. We have that sound from earlier in the week when he was on with David Hall right here on the score and Olin Krutz. Hadovy knows exactly what's wrong with him. Okay, well, don't use him again in high leverage until you see those things changed in a bullpen session. Or in a game uh, when the score is inconsequential. Forget about the track record of Pedro Strope's outstanding career. Forget about the trust that you have for him overall. Unfortunately, you have to forget about what he's going to say to you when he says, I can do it, I can do it, I can go, I can go, I can go. That's the mindset for both him and Ciszek. Forget about it. You know better. Be the adults. And then we get to Craig Kimbrell eventually. And Kimbrell, look, uh, we have seen this stuff be great a few times, and I have commented when it's been great. There are a couple times this year. One, uh, the final appearance before the All-Star break against the White Sox on a Sunday, where the stuff was crackling. The four-seamer at 97, the knuckle curve with massive bite, and that four-seam fastball when it has terrific carry. It's the appearance of it rising, really carry is the absence of drop, okay? We've seen his stuff be really good. Not last night. He's throwing 95, 94 last night. His average velocity was 94.8 last night. Uh, A few appearances ago, he hit 97. But last night, hitting 94.8. Last year, Craig Kimbrell's fastball velocity, his average fastball velocity last year, was 97.6. And you know what? That was his lowest since 2011. He is a guy, one of the great closers in the history of this game. And when he was rolling, mostly in Atlanta and then a little San Diego and some Boston, he was averaging 98 or 99 with fastball velocity. Last year, I told you, over 97 and a half. That's real good. But that was his lowest in eight seasons. Last year or last night, 94.8. 
When that fastball is not dominant, he isn't. And last year in the second half, his numbers were bad. Last year in October, they were calling him Cardiac Craig. Last year, he went into the offseason wanting six years and a big pile of money, and nobody gave it to him. And nobody was going to give him big money. The Cubs got desperate, and we understand why. Because of other failings, other problems that they have had. They got desperate, and after the draft pick compensation went away, they decided to sign him, and they had to because of other failures. And the dream is, when you do that, that you're going to get value on the front end of this three-year contract because you're pretty sure it won't be there in two years. But so be it. If he helps you win a World Series right now or maybe next year, damn it, a three-year deal at $14, 15000000 million per, that's totally worth it. Okay? But uh-oh. This is why Kimbrell didn't get the big dollars because some people were convinced that his fastball was gone. His ability to consistently be dominant at 98-99 was gone. And in this league, the difference between 94.8 and 97.6 or 99.2 is vast. It's the difference between a great hitter like Christian Yelich taking an, uh, a, a, a fastball that was not in a very bad location. Just above the strike zone. It's a pretty good location from Kimbrell. It's just that it was 95. And if that's 98-99, Yelich probably fouls it off and you get a strike and you're ahead. But instead, it's 95 and Yelich hits his 36th to the opposite field because he's Christian Yelich. That's who Kimbrell's here to get. And he couldn't do it. Incredibly distressing, obviously. A lot to discuss. 312-644-6767. Yes, I have Joe issues. But yes, there are Theo issues. And yes, there are individuals not performing. What do you do? What do you do right now to try and maximize both this season and the entirety of the winning window? I know some of you want to pivot to sellers here at the trade deadline. I just don't know how realistic that is. But we will discuss on Hit and Run here on 670 to score. I'm Matt Spiegel. I'm here with you until 1235. Matt Trueblood from Baseball Prospectus in studio next hour. Until then, it's you and me. Chris Kampka coming up later on as well, and Bart Winkler from Milwaukee. Keep it right here on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's a rough morning for Cub fans. We are here for your conversation, for your therapy. Maybe for your entertainment, uh, there is more stuff to talk about than just Cubs frustration along the way, and we will. I have White Sox trade dreams. I have one of the most bizarre quirks in the history of Major League ballparks rearing its head yet again in maybe the craziest way yesterday. And uh, we have a really good team fortifying themselves with a really good trade acquisition just yesterday, and that guy is going to show up in our town today. We'll talk about that along the way as well. But it's difficult not to lead, 
and interact with you about these Cubs. 0-8-1 in their last nine road series. They haven't won a series on the road since the middle of May in Washington. Haven't won a series on the road since the middle of May. They're now 12 games under 500 on the road. I, I think they're 4-14 four and 14 on the road within the division. This is a really brutal, ugly moment, and it's scary, and it's three days away from the trade deadline. So what do you want to do? David is on the north side, and he's dialed in, and he's talking with me, Matt Spiegel, here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. What's up, David? How are you? Good. How are you, how are you doing morning so far? Um, great. Thanks. So, so my thing is, I think the Cubs should just blow it up and just rebuild in the offseason. I mean, you don't have to do any big trades now, but just wait until the offseason because you can get more teams involved and just see what and just get on the phone and see what you have with everybody. I, I think at this point, everybody's on the table, including Hobby. I mean, you, you just got to start from scratch again. I, 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 mean, I, I don't think you have to start from scratch again, and you can't start from scratch again. I think that's too drastic and too vast. Um, David, you, you have a few sellable pieces, but not many. And you have some very possible cornerstone players, and you have to make difficult decisions in terms of your willingness and ability to pay Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, um, Javier Baez, and Wilson Contreras, who are all up at the same time. You have to decide which ones of those guys you'll pay and which ones you won't. So in that sense, I suppose, conversationally, they're on the table. But you're not going to blow it up. Thank you, David, for the call. You're in that awkward position. And somebody texted in and says, Speaks, is this how it ended for Theo in Boston? Tons of bad free agent money on the books and committing to the wrong guys. The committing to the wrong guys, not, not really in terms of young players that didn't pan out. Most of their young players panned out, and a lot of them are still there. They also kept producing. They kept drafting and producing. This is the big difference of how it's gone here right now and it did end in bad free agent money um there but remember they 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 ended up having a very solid farm system even when when theo left when theo and francona left at the end of uh, of the beer and chicken september because they'd continued to draft well and seemingly develop well that's what hasn't happened here you can connect all these different mistakes to get to where you are by going back and looking at the inability to draft and or develop pitching for the bullpen and for the rotation. I know they always planned to go out and spend money on pitching, and they have. But my God, the need to spend assets over and over and over again for bullpen guys and or for starters over and over and over again because you haven't been able to draft and develop any arms is absolutely killing you. And then throwing good money after bad can be dangerous, like you're talking about. Especially when the good money seems like it might be bad money again. Like throwing the Kimbrel money after you threw the Brandon Morrow money is incredibly dangerous. Especially if Kimbrel is not what you hope and dream for him to be. Look, there was a moment yesterday when, uh, after the walk-off, Keston Hero, who is a terrific young hitter, that the Brewers in the middle of their window have brought up from their farm system to uh, accentuate their lineup and give them that youthful, excellent jolt of a quality player, the likes of which the Cubs have not produced in a, in a while, several years here. Um, 
where after Keston Hero's walk off, you they they had a shot of of Theo's luxury suite, and you saw him throw his hands in the air like, oh my god, bah! He threw one hand in the air, and I don't know exactly what he's saying, but it sure looked like he said, "F this effing game," <laughs> because you got to Kimbrel. They got to Kimbrel last night. They finally got to him. It, out of understandable desperation, they went. Uh, sure, it's desperation of their undoing, but it was understandable desperation. They went out and got Kimbrel. And now that happened. And it's happened a couple times. Only once in his career had Craig Kimbrel given up multiple home runs in a single game. Once in his career before this year. He has now done it twice as a Chicago Cub. Twice. It, it's, just, it's just insane that, that everything now has, uh, has blown up in this way. When the Kimbrel, so uh, yeah, you throw your head, head in the air and you're like, F this effing game. You're trying. You're desperate. But that money is, oof, now you're concerned about Kimbrel money long term? Sure. But Kimbrel chances this year? It's just one blown save, people. But there's been a couple. And again, I was distressed by the fastball velocity. I looked at his game logs from last year. And by the way, the bottom of the hour is brought to you by Northwestern Football from the Northwestern Football Update Studio. Don't miss your chance to watch Big Ten football at Ryan Field this fall as the number 17 Northwestern Wildcats host Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season tickets are on sale now at nusports.com. I was looking at, at Kimbrell's game logs last year, uh, trying to figure out, okay, where is the velocity? Last year, it took him 13 appearances in the regular season to get it up to 97 miles per hour. Okay. And then a few games later, it dipped back to 95. That actually dovetails with where we are here, right? That it took him a few appearances to get it up to 97, as he did a couple appearances ago, and then it seemed seemingly dipped back to 95. But eventually then he got it back up to 97, 98. He hit 99 a couple of times in September. As we said, over the course of the year, it averaged 97.6. Last night it was 94.8. It If... Maybe he is going to cycle back. Arms wax, wax and wane during the course of the year. So maybe that four-seam velocity will climb back up, and you're going through some of the early season up and downs that you suspected would happen once the guy had been sitting out for the first two months, two and a half months. But you can't afford it. can't afford it right now, can you? And the terrifying fear is that, is that this is him, a guy who every few games is going to vacillate back towards 95, 94, if not level off there. And then that makes him distinctly non-special. Texture uh, sent this in at 670.11. One stat that jumps out at me is Cub pitch, Cubs pitchers are second to last in strikeouts. The pitching staff doesn't strike out anybody. I went off on a, uh, on a stat-laden rant on that in the very first hit-and-run of this season, that the Cubs, in a swing-and-miss league, do not have a swing-and-miss pitching staff. They just don't. There's only a few guys who have consistent swing-and-miss stuff. Darvish, and he's now shown it to you more of late. Morrow, and he has not been able to do anything for you. Chatwood has swing and miss stuff, and this is why I keep on the stump for high leverage late game Chatwood, and maybe we'll see more of it. They went out and got Kimbrell to be that guy, but yeah, there's not a, it's not a big time swing and miss pitching staff. It's a lot of pitching to contact, a lot of pitching to medium, if not hard contact. It's a lot of depending on your defense. 
And the defense has actually been pretty good of late. You know, some of these guys have are saying after the games, you know, we're, we're actually playing pretty well. I think C-Shack said it. I think Rizzo said it last night. If you're watching the games, they're, they're not making the, the base running disastrous mistakes. They're not making a lot of the defensive mistakes. A lot of, like, the brain cramp stuff that we were talking about headed into the All-Star break, we're not really seeing that. We're just seeing the bullpen implode. And, oh, by the way, I know I haven't mentioned the offense, but we saw a second night in a row of only a two-run homer as your offense for the starting pitcher. And John Lester said last night that part of the reason he was exhausted was his illness from this week, but also part of the reason was that every pitch he was living and dying because that's the kind of game it was and the kind of score it was because that offense has not been giving pitchers a cushion to relax at all. Everything has been high stress, high tension stuff. And yes, of course, we can talk about the offense. We can talk about those issues. The, the, the issues remain. They're the same ones. Another contact hitter or two to diversify the lineup would be nice, is what we said last October. 670, the score, is where you are. Let's take a phone call or two before we take a break. This is Chris in New York calling from New York. Upstate or New York City, Chris? Where are you calling from? Long Island, New York. Outstanding. Well, what's going on, man? Talk to me. Uh, Just really quick, uh, plate discipline. Uh, Javier Baez, ninth inning, man on first, and he's swinging to hit a 3,000-foot home run. And then there's Christian Yelich in the top in the bottom of the tent, and he's not trying to hit a home run. He's trying to drive the ball, and it was a great, it was a good pitch that Kimbrel threw up there. It but, was it, it, the location was fine. It was only at 95, and Yelich is terrific. But to your point, Yelich hit it the opposite way. He went right. with the pitch. He is um, arguably the best player in baseball right now. Um, and if you want to give it to Mike Trout, that's fine. But in terms of offensively. Christian Yelich, the batting average is like 340 for the dude on top of the OBP and the OPS and the 36 homers and everything. He had two singles up the middle yesterday, happily going wherever the pitch is. He's just. And that's the difference, and that's what the Cubs don't have. I mean, Javier Baez, he could actually be that guy, but he is just a guy that swings. He's a swinger. Now, now you're not watching close enough if you're going to put Baez in a. In a big generality like that, it's the best year of Baez's career. He's been an opposite field killer. At least, what, 12 home runs to the opposite field? He's, um, he's been much better than, than ever imagined in terms of the bat control, and he's still getting better. So, yeah, every once in a while he will frustrate you, but he knows what he's doing. Thank you, Chris. I, I, my, my issues are not with Javi. They're just not. They're not with Javi. They're not with Rizzo. They're not really with Bryant. They're not really with Contreras. They're not really with with Jason Hayward, but they're with uh, almost everybody else. And the fact that Robel Garcia is hitting leadoff yesterday is oh, was distressing. There's so much swing and miss in his game. Yes, he has given you some very good at bats. Yes, he's made some hard contact. Their scouting report on him is not out there. You've been trying to catch lightning in a bottle. That's fine. But my, they must just be convinced that Jason Hayward would be mentally damaged by being placed back in the leadoff role. They have to be convinced of that because Jason Hayward to me has been the obvious answer at leadoff going on a couple of months. Remember Hayward started out the year with a 438 on base percentage on June 1st. That's how good Hayward was from the get go. Okay. And 
438 on base percentage, but maybe you don't want to trust that. Okay, that's fine. We've seen flashes of it before. Then he had a real bad three weeks. Then since the 19th of May to now, he's had a 370 on base percentage. Over his last 56 games since May 19th, it's a 370 on base percentage. You have seen the quality of his at-bats. You've seen him pull it. You've seen him go the opposite way. You've seen him be clutch. You've seen him make contact. This is a very, very good version of Jason Hayward, the best that the Cubs have seen. He is the obvious choice to me to go hit leadoff, but they must just be convinced that it would mess with him mentally to go back up there. Such a strong dude, a strong, strong dude mentally, a strong dude physically in every way. But he admitted that hitting at the top of the lineup kind of effed with him, and I guess they just don't want to do it again. But, boy, I'd rather see that than see Robel Garcia or see what we get today. Is it Ian Happ hitting leadoff today? Hey, he did draw a walk. 670, the score is where you are. It's Matt Spiegel. I, I hate to be cynical. I, you know, I loathe it. And I don't, I don't even like the way that I sound right now, frankly. <laughs> I, I don't. I like baseball. I love baseball. I would so much rather be talking to you about great things that players do. And there's some, so I'll find uh, some space to do so. I told you I have a John Lester point I want to make because that dude is just a stud. 400 starts now in the major leagues, the sixth active player to reach 400 starts. Thank you, Steve Rosenblum, for that stat nugget from yesterday. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll pontificate about him. That's my favorite thing to do is talk about good players and good teams and good things. It's just a troubling moment to do so. Matt Trueblood from Baseball Prospectus will join us in studio at the top of the hour. Looking forward to that. Chris Kamka and Cam Connections. That's coming up next right here on 670 The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Matt Trueblood from Baseball Prospectus. Coming up at the top of the hour, but first we talk to our man Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, who joins us as he does every week right here on Hit and Run. What's up, Chris? How are you, brother? Hey, man. Uh, and for all the Cub fans out there who are worried about their bullpen, uh, listening to me, it's not going to make it any better. No, you've got uh, you've got bullpen sadness for us. Uh, I mean, or just the realities of the situation. Well, I mean, let me preface this thing with saying. It, it, it's kind of cyclical. I mean, every team has these ups and downs with these bullpens. Uh, obviously, this one seems a little more prolonged. And bullpen struggles always are amplified because they're the most recent part of the game. Um, so, eh, I mean, it's, it's annoying now, but... Yeah, and, well, no. and, and because in the tiny little sample of the 8th, ninth, or 10th, you can destroy the fine work of a John Lester through seven. And so it's, right. it's incredibly maddening. But it's even more maddening uh, because this feels like this has been an issue for a long, long time. Uh, what you got, Chris? Talk to me. All right. And so we're looking specifically since the All-Star break. And this is particularly annoying because the starter ERA since the All-Star break for the Cubs is 3.22, sixth in the majors. And that was one of your biggest concerns because you're saying, okay, how are we going to get through? Hamels is hurt, and he's making a rehab start today. So that I mean, that's encouraging. But you hit your man, you're a man down, and and what are you going to do? But they've actually managed pretty well, and that's only going to get better. But um, the bullpen. So since the All Star break, fourteen games, and 
since in the seventh inning or later, they're being outscored 28 to 13. So that that's really problematic, especially when in innings one to six, they're outscoring their opponent 51 to 27. So that just makes it that much more worse because the contrast is just startling. Oh, boy, that's that's brutal. That, that's that, that that's brutal. Um, by the way, on the road, the Cubs bullpen has a uh, has an ERA of five point four four. That is the road bullpen ERA, and at home they have a bullpen ERA of where is it? I think it's like three point eight one or something like that. I, I don't know why that is the case, but it's brutal as well. Oh yeah, I mean, in particular, um, look at Kimbrel. I think he's been. Uh, I think he's got a zero ERA regularly this year, or somewhere thereabouts. And Kinsler, it took him till just like earlier this week until he gave up his first Wrigley run this year. Yeah. Just, so, just I mean, brutal. you had those runs going, and those are particularly encouraging, but the road stuff is just kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, yeah, that didn't help. That didn't help, man. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, as hey, there's only one direction to go. Okay. Only one way to go. <laughs> yeah, that's <I> true. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. Um, all right, so, you, you got stuff for me on the other side, or we got more Cubs? What you got? Yeah, let's uh, well, let's go White Sox and a little more enlightening. Juan <clears throat> Moncada last night on Superhero Night with a home run and two doubles. So I gave him at least 20 home runs and at least 20 doubles on the season, um, which is tremendous. Uh, his second career game with three or more extra base hits. So White Sox to have multiple games of three or more extra base hits before turning 25, Yohan Mankata. The last one to do it before him was Frank Thomas, who had three of those games. And the last one to do it before Frank Thomas was Harold Baines, who also had three. So that's a good president, and he's getting the job done, especially for a White Sox team that hasn't really had that many young stars in recent history. So this is refreshing to see. Hmm. And, in fact, he, if he finishes with a 300 batting average, which he's, he's at right now, right about, with 20 doubles and 20 homers, is which he already has, Um in age 24 or younger, okay, so 300 batting average, 20 doubles, 20 homers, age 24 or younger. The last one to do it was Carlos Lee in 2000. The only other player in White Sox history to do that was Frank Thomas in 1991 and 92. So these are encouraging things. And speaking of White Sox players, age 24 or younger, okay, Eloy Jimenez is back. So he is uh, he is back. Jose Aaron Doan has been designated for assignment. He is back. Eloy, so. Eloy Jimenez uh, coming off the injured list today. Jose Rondon designated for assignment. So Eloy is back, and that is something more to watch as the White Sox get the Minnesota Twins for one more today. I, yes, I, I, I am of the mind, by the way, um, that I think Luis Robert should and will actually be up here sometime this year. I, just because the, the way they've dealt with service time issues, the way they've, uh, they, they, they've dealt with these young guys in terms of locking them up and, and having a plan to do so, the fact that there is a $52 million expenditure that's already taken place for him, the fact that they want Eloy and him to get used to playing next to each other, let alone all these young guys to kind of mold and bond together. Uh, I, I just, I, I think all of those kind of signs point to Luis getting up here. You think I'm crazy? I, I, co- I completely agree with you. I mean, and look at it. If you bring him up for September, 
you got a full month for these guys to get some reps together, which yep. is really important. And I think that, you know, that that's just a positive thing. If you're going to be invested as you are, let's get them some reps. Let's see them, how they work together. Let's have them grow together. And, and you said that, and it's so important. And I really like that. And I hope they do it. And we'll see because, I mean, the arrow is pointing up with this team. I mean, Mankata looks like the guy you thought he would be mm-hmm. um, because last year, a little, little struggling, 97 weighted runs created plus. This year, up to 136. And, and he's just kind of pretty consistent throughout the whole year. I mean, a little bit of dip here and there, but a uh, strong start, and he's strong right now. And I love what I'm seeing. But you get Jimenez back. Hopefully you get Robert. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. You should be. Uh, pitching needs uh, are, are there, and we'll discuss them. Thank you, Chris. Great stuff as always, man. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you. All right, you got it. It's Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. I have the, uh, the dream uh, White Sox trade scenario with these couple of days that are coming up here, and it, it involves bundling. It involves uh, selling, but really mostly buying, and it involves a window much bigger than this particular year. So we'll talk about that at some point along the way. Folks texting in at 6711, here's a Cub fan. Uh, Matty, I went to the Iowa Cubs game last night against Round Rock. I was looking for anything to give me some hope. Something. Not only did Alec Mills look like Basura Caliente. I don't speak Spanish, but is that hot garbage? Probably. Um, But I didn't even get to boo Addison Russell. Because he didn't get in the game. Well, I'm sorry, sir. That sounds like an unfortunate turn of events for you. I, I, I hope you find something happy in your baseball television or your baseball attendance today. You deserve that. It's going to be a hot and glorious day in, uh, in Chicago. And the Cubs will be playing up in Milwaukee. First pitch is after one. Pre-game starts here at 1235 with Zach Zabman. I'm at Spiegel and hit, am hit and run for the most part. And I will be here up until 1235. Matthew Trueblood from Baseball Prospectus is going to join us in a matter of moments. That's next right here on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.